Hi. Hello. Hello. Well, hello. How you doing? Feeling real turned on right now. <laughs> Welcome back to the Wine About Birth podcast. We are three birth professionals. And best friends. And we're here to talk about what it's really like to live in the world of birth. It's not all glitter and rainbows. Or as we like to say, it's a lot more shit than giggles. I'm Kim Haynes, midwife at a busy birth center and small home birth practice. I'm Meredith Rout, also midwife at small home birth practice. And I'm Jess McKee. I'm a doula for clients in and out of the hospital and also a birth assistant with you guys at our out of hospital practice. We are and terrible with our intro We lately. once again have a guest. Can you tell us who you are, guest? Hello, my name is Olivia and I'm here as the guest today. I love her voice. Just so you know, this is not a sex podcast, even though Olivia is rocking that sex the voice The sexiest real guest in the land. Yes. So so I was going to open with the dolphin rape, rape cave, but we shouldn't do that. I voted in hard no. Ew, now hard no's. I didn't know it was a real I mean, thing. My brother used to joke about it, but I thought they're just really joking about it. I mean, hard no, but... It's a very soft no for it's me. It's a soft no. <laughs> um, so there's a chance. <laughs> so you're Stop saying on me, there's Olivia. a chance. Open-minded. I'm open. So speaking Not of my choice. Speaking of dolphin rape caves, um, I did just get back from Key West again. What? Good smooth intro into that one. Yeah, that was a stretch. Segway, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I didn't see any dolphins or raping dolphins, but I did see some manatees. Did you ride a Segway while you were there? Uh, no, I did not ride a Segway. Um, and I also, I, I kayaked through some mangroves. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it was did really, really fun. So then I got brought back to reality real hard today because I was literally sitting in the sun in Key West like, 30 hours ago and then I got home and edited our episode and then I got called to a birth and I was there for 24 hours and it was really hard and I'm tired and now she was amazing she was not letting up no she was amazing she was amazing um and now we're coming to record here but I did want to say that I had a moment during that birth where I was just don't do it I'm doing it I was just filled with <laughs> so much love and adoration for Kim, she just like came in and I was looking at her, just staring at her. And I was like, I think I'm in love with her. I love her so much. And I'm so happy she's my best friend. I can't believe I get to be best friends with this human being. And then I almost cried and she caught me looking at her and she gave me like a what the look. I was like trying really hard to do something. And I looked up and she was like, <laughs> and I was like, ah, what's happening? What? What is that? She was like, I just love you. Later. I, couldn't help, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I do love you. We so have a baby. We do have a baby here. Olivia, is Sorry, baby? that's my baby. We have a rainbow baby here. That's your yes. rainbow baby. So today is the third in our series of episodes on loss. And so we have Olivia here to talk about her experience with her loss and her 
and then her experience with her rainbow baby. And so we thank you so much for having, for you coming on it, the show. This is the Olivia. The this Olivia. This is the legend that we keep <laughs> yes. talking about. Who Could literally you make these bitches watch that movie with me, by the way? I am not sure how to make them do it. I can't. I can't figure <laughs> it out. You could make us. You just need one day when we're here, be like, let's sit down. Let's watch it now. So let's get him on that boob, and then we will dive into your story. Oh, like, like a muff. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. I can't. I... So, Olivia. Yes. You had a loss and a late loss. Yes. And we would like to hear about it. How, from your perspective and your point of view, how you would like to share your story. So let's just get on in there. Well, my story with loss actually starts before my son. So I lost a baby at 16 weeks gestation. So I actually had like a middle of the road miscarriage. And that was the most traumatic thing that I'd ever been through at that point in my life. Mm -hmm. And I've been through, you know, we have, I haven't had an easy life, but that's not, you know, it doesn't have to do with this story too much, a little bit, a little bit because yeah. family dynamics come into huge. coping mm-hmm. with loss in huge ways. Mm-hmm. So it, it does, it does have something to do with the story. Um, so after my, that was a daughter. So after, after that miscarriage, um, did you I, name your daughter? I did. Her, what name, was her name was Lilith. Oh, yes. So. I know. I love that name. <laughs> So that was my first loss. Didn't know how I was ever going to get over that, but um, went to the health department. So, oh, that's another important thing. All of my pregnancies until Valen, until my third, this this one, mm-hmm. had been unassisted. Okay. So both of my previous pregnancies, I was just really, I had a bad experience with a midwife okay. in a town close to us. And... The thi- I was in a really weird, vulnerable place when I went to see her. Yeah. We, we didn't have much money. I was in a really controlling relationship, and mm-hmm. money was the way that he controlled me in big ways. Okay. And so we went to that appointment, you know, the initial appointment with that midwife, and this was with my son. So Oliver is my first son, my, okay. my stillbirth. Yeah. Um, and um, when we went there, I asked her all these things, and I was like really averse to having any kinds of any kind of like medical interventions i wanted her to do it all i was like look if we're gonna do this i don't want you to use this this and this yeah and she was like i can't guarantee that she was like there's there's no way i can guarantee that Mm -hmm. and i was like well i don't know what to tell you then i guess we'll have to get back to you and i just she did not handle my vulnerability well. Okay. And, you know, being in a situation where this is going to be the woman who brings your child into the world with you, yeah. you know, I didn't feel good about that. And I thought, fuck it. I'm just going to do it myself. People have been doing this since the dawn of time by themselves. Why can't I do it? And I will too. Yeah. And it freaks people out really yeah. hard. So, you know, first of all, loss. People don't know how to handle that at all. Oh. You know, that's one of the most confronting things that you can say to a person is, oh, yeah, I have three children. Two of them are, are in heaven. Yes. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. They give you this look. They're like, oh, oh, no. Which is why <laughs> which is why we're doing these episodes to try and normalize it and normalize supporting and it people needs through to be, it. Yes, yeah. It really needs to be because women like me who don't have these 
good places to come from Mm -hmm. you know your your last interviewee oh man I wish I could look at death like that I wish I could have looked at death like that my whole life oh Gina yeah like it's a beautiful journey yeah and it's a gift to be able to be there and facilitate it and I'm like damn I wish that somehow I could have held that space Mm -hmm. but that's just not where I was yeah right and so let's see I waited. I went to the health department. They were like, oh, did you go to the doctor after this? This I'm just going back to my, my miscarriage. I was like, no, I did it at home by myself. And they were like, did you have a DNC? I'm like, no, it just all passed normally. Yeah. It freaks medical professionals out. <laughs> I mean, it freaks them out when we even say you're planning on delivering at home. Yeah. So it's it's another, like, they're like, oh, no what? support? Yeah. None at all? Yeah. Yeah. But, um... Waited the six months that they recommend, and then, bam, got pregnant immediately with Oliver. And it was like, oh, here's my redemption. You know, you guys, you talk about the redemption redemption so much. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is going to be so great. We go through it. I get past the 16-week mark, and I'm like, good, we're home free. You know, this is where I lost Lilith. I'm going to be fine. And go to... Now, mind you, this whole time, my family is, like, nervous as shit. They're like, oh, my God, you need to see someone. Like, see a midwife, hire a midwife. And I'm like, I can't. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have... This woman wanted, like, $3,000 or something like that. I was like, I I can't afford that. In Oliver's birth... I know I'm skipping around a lot, but it's all going to come together and make sense. Yeah. In Oliver's birth, when I ended up at the hospital, because Mm -hmm. I started at home... And, and when we got to the hospital, it was rough, like trying to be an ER admittance when you're going through what I was going through was a nightmare. But, um, when we were pushing, I mean, you were, I was was screaming because he had crowned. Right. And I'm sitting there trying to deliver and he, well, he was passed away for a long time before I got, went into labor. Right. And so we're thinking like a couple of weeks, which, you know, that all comes out Mm -hmm. when the pathologist later on couldn't do any kind of testing on him. Right. Because his tissues had so degraded. Um, But, you know, when I went in and the nurses were with me, one of them was really hard on me. Like the whole time, like I knew that she was looking at me like, what the hell did you do to your baby? Right. This you is know, your fault. You did this. And then as we're getting, you know, in it and I'm like, I'm just suffering. All these other people come and they're like, you know, here for you. Like a normal nurse would be. Yeah. So I had one doctor and one nurse that were just like fire and brimstone, you know, the rest of them are like, holy crap, we're going to try to save you, you know, because this is awful. We don't know what's going to happen. So it's just, it's a really hard situation to be in medically, especially when they look at you like that, like you could have gotten Medicaid. We could have had a hold on you the whole time and you would never have lost this baby. Yeah. You know that, but there's no proof of that either because there's no, what is the statistic, Jess? It's like, Less than 30% of stillbirths have an explanation. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. They, they look the majority for of them don't yeah. have an explanation. Yeah. And so I, I were, I'm still pregnant with Oliver. Let's go back to that. Yeah. Being controlled by this partner that I was with and in my head, not in a good space. I want to tell this because it's really hard to tell, yeah. but 
it's something I'm, I'm doing this for other people. Yeah. This is not so much for me. I'm not trying to have a catharsis here because I've done my processing, but I want you all, and I'm speaking to the women out there who hear this. I want you all to know that everything that you go through, you aren't alone, no matter how awful it was. And no matter how bad it was from point A to point B, you are not alone. There are other people that have been there with you mm-hmm. and, and you know, you should, Walk there's gotta, you, there's it's, gotta be a better way for us to reach out to people. Right. Like it's such a powerful thing to say because you know, when you're in it, there is no one else. No, like, you're, obviously you can't even reach out to your one. family. No, you can't tell anyone. So you just feel like it doesn't matter how many people are in the room. Yeah. You're still alone. Yes. So how do you help with that? Right. Right. How do you. So what you're doing right now is helping, letting people know they're not alone. Right. But, but also can't. reaching out to be like, don't be that person. Like if someone comes in, you're not going to help anything by being judgy. And right. Like you don't help people change with your judgment. You help people change with, with, your, your, kindness. with your kindness and your love. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nobody in the history of ever has changed because of judgment and shame. Well, also oh. like that implies there needs to be a change. Like you don't know this person's story. Like, yeah. Just be supportive and have an open heart because generally speaking, people who are coming in in these situations, they're there for a reason. Yeah. And doesn't mean anything needs to change. Yeah. It's like a really, really unfortunate situation that we all could hold space for in a really beautiful way if you like allow yeah. those judgments to drop. So me saying that was more like even if they think someone needs to change, you're not going to be the harbinger of that by being an asshole. So really, when I'm mean to you, it doesn't make you want to do what I say. I mean, only when you're mean to me. Oh. Are you kidding? She's a nine. She shuts down completely. Okay. Only when your asshole winks at me. Well, sometimes you need a Kim, though, to kick your ass because you sometimes. get really deep down in your sh- hole of shit. You know what I mean? Like you've built these walls of shit around you for so long and somebody comes along and they're like, whoa, hey. Hold up, because you don't have to be down there in that. Why are you down there? <laughs> but it's come on up for doing? for a minute and see what it's like. You I might be wine. better off. <laughs> I have wine. It still yes. has to come from a place of love. Yes, now. yes, yes, not judgment and yes. shame. But like Meredith was saying, you don't know the road that these people have walked, and so I'm telling you a little bit about the road that I was walking when I was pregnant with Oliver. Yeah, with the controlling relationship, making me feel like I had no options, yeah. zero options. You were doing the best you could with the situation. Yeah, you had. because it was like when somebody tells me oh, you have no money for this. And I'm like, well, I got to find a different way. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll do it myself because you have no options. You know what I mean? And even though people will look at me and be like, oh, like my mom would look at me and be like, you know better than that. You know, that's not helpful Mm -hmm. because in that moment, they've got you so twisted up in your head that you don't know better than that. Yeah. So don't tell me that because it doesn't help. Yeah. (laughs) Let's just make a big list of things that don't help. Yeah. So, I'm kidding. It would take forever. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing all these things. I have this moment where I was probably 32, 34 weeks pregnant. And my partner calls me on the phone to tell me he might lose his job. Only source of income. Like I said, no Medicaid or anything like that. And I lose it completely because here I am at home isolated all the time, just stress upon stress because he was a terrible partner and just couldn't handle anything in life. Tells me that. And I sit there on the bed and I lose it. And I talk to my baby and I say, I am so sorry. I don't know how I'm going to take care of you. I don't even know how I'm going to feed you. I said, I can't do this. 
And that was the moment that I'm telling you this because that is the moment after he was stillborn that I looked back on and blamed myself for because I meant every word when I said that. I don't know how I'm going to do this. So my, my pregnancy progresses. I go to 40 weeks and then I go to 41 weeks and then I go to 42 weeks and I'm in my 43rd week, I guess. They, at the hospital records, it's 42 weeks, but it's, but it, was it was beyond, it was beyond, yeah. And I go into labor and it was beautiful. I, it was 5 a.m. I don't remember what day of the week it was. And I, I remember the day though, July 13th, 2015. And I go into labor and it was soft and slow and I knew what it was. And I go to the bathroom and then I take a bath and then I go back to bed and I lay down on my side and I go take, you know, a nap. And then the contractions start coming. And then my water breaks while I'm in that tub and the water was a weird color. Like a real weird color. Not green, not It was brown. greenish, brownish. Okay. It was weird. It was not clear. It was not clear. And it wasn't yellow or anything like that. And it didn't look like meconium. It looked like something weird. And I just just ignored it because I'm like, I'm in labor. I'm not going to care about that. I can't do anything about that. So my labor progresses. And then for some reason, I feel like it's stopping. Not that the labor is stopping, but that it's not progressing. It's just staying where it is, as intense as it is, and not nothing else is happening. It's not moving. Right. And so I tell my partner to call my mom. She comes over, and it moves a little further, and she's there, and I'm on all fours. I'm using the birthing ball, all this stuff. And then he crowns. And she's like, I see the head. And I'm like so excited. I reach back, and Thank I can goodness. feel the head. Oh. And I'm like okay, then everything should be going, and why isn't it going? And I'm like, reach. I told her to reach in there and turn him. Like, in my weird, you know, crazy mindset, I'm like, you have to reach in there and turn him. And she couldn't That's do it. crazy. Like, she couldn't do it. But, like, my body was no knew what wasn't happening. It was weird. But you know how you all talk about that lady who did the crazy squat yeah. where her yeah. legs were weirdly yes. akimbo? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like one of those moments. I'm you like, you knew. have to reach in there and get him out. She couldn't do it. We go to the hospital and I didn't call an ambulance because it would have taken longer. I'm like, just put me in the car and get me there. And so the whole time I have these searing contractions where my body is trying to push this baby out that cannot rotate. Mm-hmm. Didn't know yet that he was deceased. Yeah. We get to the hospital ER, and right there in the parking lot, one, I think it was an OB, comes out, and she's like, you got to push right here, right now. Push this baby out. And they flip me on my back, and I'm trying to push. And In the parking in lot? In the parking lot, there's people, I can see them, all stopping to look, and I'm completely exposed right there in the ER parking, not in the parking lot, but the drive-through, the drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're all stopped there. And nobody is like moving to conceal me or anything. And then another, um, either a nurse or a doctor comes out to try to assist. But at that point, I think I had a cervical lip or something going on because it sounds like the pain that you describe when you talk about touching a cervical lip. Yeah. And they're trying to cram their hands in there 
to get a grip on him and they can't, they have no tools like forceps or anything right there. So I'm screaming, I can't, and they try to go for me. And every time they touch me, I back up, like I back up into the car because it just hurts oh, so bad. Gosh. It was like somebody trying to kill you. You know, it's just awful. And so somehow they knew right then and there that he was gone and they just look at each other and then like they they stopped what they were doing they're like we got to get her up upstairs and she looks at the other doctor and she goes he's gone and i'm like how does she know it's a boy first of all and how does she know that he's dead and so but no that killed me you. right there that was the end nobody said anything to me they look at each other and she says that and i'm like that was i died right there you know what i mean no, I don't know because I've never <laughs> experienced no. that, but I can only imagine that feeling. Yeah, and and there was no space for me in that moment. Not that there could be. I know I know they have a job to do. You know what I mean? I know that that's their responsibility to get this done, save this somehow, this situation. So they take me, they put me on a gurney, they take me upstairs. At that point, somehow my labor had stopped. So they had to put me on Pitocin to get me started again. And, um, and I, he was crowning this he was, whole time. Yeah, the whole time. The whole time. And so we get in labor and delivery and they start to drug me up, which was nice because they could not touch me without me just screaming. They finally called anesthesia to come in and he comes in. This is what he said to me. He said, you tell me when it stops hurting. And then guess what? what? She's going to stand right here. And if it starts to hurt again, you tell her. And that was like my saving grace, you know, the anesthesiologist. That small thing. Yes, because until that point, I had not been in this picture at all. It was not about me. It was what was going on down there. And I was a problem in the way of what was going on down there. This is your fault. You no longer have any say. This is your fault. So you have to carry that is why I'm saying that to you. This is not blame on the doctors. Like I said before, I understand why they would do this. They have a job to do. But you don't understand what you put on people when you treat them like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm in there and I'm drugged up. And Kim, you know how I am, like the things that I ask. Yes. They're great questions, actually. <laughs> so I'm there, and I'm like, is he shoulder dystocic? Like, what is going on? Why is he stuck? And they look at me, and they're like, it is a mild shoulder dystocia, but we can't get a hold because the tissues are not letting us get a hold. They keep slipping. And I was like, oh. And then later on, the, the good OB... <laughs> And I loved her because she had small hands and finally she could get in there. <laughs> so she and was your she friend. She was able, yeah, she was able to deliver him because her hands were small enough to get in there and to pull him out. They had to hook an arm His, or something yeah. to, to get him out. Um, and so she goes, are you a midwife student or something? Like, how do you know these things? <laughs> I was like, I do my research. That's all. I'm not a midwife student. <laughs> so I wonder if like, and I know they, they, when I say they, I'm not just meaning the hospital, but a lot of providers roll their eyes like, oh, why are you asking these questions? Are you trying to show me what you know? Are you trying? No, it's I some people. To know. Some people are truly educated. You were asking me questions that several times I would just be surprised. 
Like, I can't believe you're asking me that. Like, you know more than most people. And I think that when someone comes in like that, they should maybe consider that you may. Like, if you start asking questions, answer them. They because, did. Because, you know, you know these things. So not everyone, and I get it, most people off the street have zero idea of what's happening, but some people really do. Yes. You know, you know, you knew so much stuff. I was like, why are you here? <laughs> Cause I tried that route, Kim. <laughs> I forgot insensitive question. No, no, it's okay. So, so anyway, let's talk a little bit about what you guys mentioned in Gina's, um, podcast she's doing your job jess it's oh so i'm happy. sorry no, jess i'm sorry job. it's beautiful no. jess. moving on olivia is going to let us know what we're talking well, about because i'm just over here eating chocolate covered cashews i'm enjoying this <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. pull the mic away i tried i'm sorry <laughs> it just came out um, when, when they did the, uh, you said the name of it, the people that come and take pictures. Oh, the, now I lay me down to sleep. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That program. Thank God for that program. And when they did ask me, do you want to see your baby? My first response was no, but my mom said, you need to hold on, wait a f little while and then don't tell them no yet. Yes. And I was like, I can't see him. I can't look at him. I can't do this. But Jess, you guys, if I hadn't looked at him. I would never have gotten to hold him. I would never have gotten to know what the weight of him felt like. He weighed eight pounds, one ounce. When he was born, he was 19 inches long. I would never have felt that in my arms. And in the days that followed, it meant so much to know I had done that. And he had a body, you know, that he had a weight. And I wanted... <laughs> I, I remember telling my friend um, when I talked to her about it uh, that I wanted a, a bag of sugar or something that oh, weighed that eight was pounds. The same. <laughs> like like in the middle school, just class. so I could hold it. Yeah, there, there, I believe there is a company that makes weighted babies for that purpose for people that have gone through loss. So it, because you did that, he's not just this theory, right? Of a of a. A child that supposedly was there and then was gone. You right. got to feel that. That is such a beautiful thought. Well, it, it changes the trauma, too, to not just having gone through this horrible experience, but then to have something to take away from it. The reason... Not yeah. the reason for the horrible experience, but the reason that you went yes. through it. Like, why was I going through this? For this adorable little eight-pound, one-ounce... Yes. Baby. Yeah. And they gave me his footprints and I think his handprints. And I thought about bringing them here today and I just oh, didn't have time. <laughs> so you had a super, um, it was such a hard stillbirth experience for yeah. so many reasons that you were telling me. Your life story, not knowing that your baby had passed, the amount of time it took to birth your baby, the, the way people treated you like the all way, of this the way you found out your son was yeah. dead oh god that yeah. moment in your life that you will literally never ever forget well then i'm on the gurney right or is it, is it called a gurney now i don't know uh, I maybe they're wheeling, yes. me, they're wheeling me up there and i look at his dad my partner at the time and i'm like i'm sorry i can't give you a living child said that to him so when you say all these things i'm hearing all these things that you're taking said away that too. Yes. like nicole yes. has said that too so like 
I want to know, like, your biggest takeaways that you have from, like, the things. So you we talked about how, like, people talking down to you or talking around you. But, like, also the takeaways of, like, self-blame. Yeah. Um, like, the biggest things that you would like other people to know that have stayed with you the longest in ways that it's, like, you could either help somebody or hurt somebody with these things yes. when it comes to your experience with Oliver. Well, the first thing before I give you, like, pointers as the outside people, I want to tell the person who's going through this. Yeah. You are going to need to do things, probably, that are way outside of what you normally would do. And that is okay. Yeah. No matter what that looks like. And if it looks like drinking or doing drugs or not that I'm advocating for those things, but I'm telling you that if you find yourself in that hole, please don't blame yourself for yeah. being there. Grief because grief is a deep, dark Right, and, and this specific type of grief has almost no resources for help. Yeah. So, yes, we need to find you a way, you know, but the first step out of that is asking somebody for help. Um, I didn't do that. I tried to just not eat or drink anything and die. <laughs> and my mom had to come and take me to her house and not let me leave until, you know, like I had stabilized. But you can get to that place really easily when you lose a child or lose two children mm -hmm. and you have no coping you you know, resources around it. Yeah. yeah. So we, you know, you, you have to find a way. Like my mom would tell me all the time, find a way to be happy, which is ridiculous. So ridiculous. Like That's I love so my mom. Broad. I love my mom so much. She's gotten me through so many things, but her advice comes from a place of knowing nothing about it and just trying desperately to save her child. So yeah. we can forgive her for those things, but do not tell the person, just try to be happy. <laughs> yeah. Do, do not tell the person this will get better because unless you know from experience this will get better, you're coming from empty, this is empty words to them. Like, you know, Kim, you saying it is one thing because, you know, you, the world that you live in, but like just a person on the street, like an old woman meaning well, who's never lost a child or anything like that, this too shall pass or you, it will get better one day. That's a hard thing to just kind of yeah it's a pleasantry that means nothing yes to a person who's going through this so if it came from someone who had lost a child and the things that helped them it would be more meaningful than yeah, just people saying random words yeah and oh man another thing about this is like meredith talks a lot in the episodes about allowing people to come to you from where they are or trying to have space for people coming from other you know realms of thought, if you will. That's really hard with this type of grief because it's hard to hear things that are well-meaning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> because you're stuck in your pit and you kind of want to be stuck in your pit. You or yeah, because nobody's telling you a way to make it better. There is not really a way to make it better. It's processing. You have to get in it and it, you have to get real dark and sometimes. Yeah. I'm not saying everybody has this. Like Gina has a beautiful way to, to deal with this. But if your way is to do what I did and get real dark and that's what you have to do, 
it's okay because you come out this amazingly strong person on the other side because the path that you go through is the path of shadow. You know what I mean? Like you're going through all the worst parts of you to try to just live. It is survival. You don't know how you're going to be anymore because you've lost two children and you're not supposed to lose any children. So it's just, it's hard. So go ahead. Well, that's just, Gina was saying that everyone was trying to help her, but the, the best thing she heard or the most helpful thing was when someone called and said, your daughter's going to die. Right. She's not going to make it. And, and then one day it will be a memory and it will be, it will be okay. But she had gone through it. Yes. So it was like coming from a place of I've been there. Here's yes. how it was for me. Yes. Not that everyone is the same. Yes. So it was just honesty. Yes. And you honesty know? is what helps. So hearing other people's stories helped me a lot. My, I had a friend who had lost a baby due to cervical insufficiency. And he just plopped out way too early and they couldn't save him. And um, I talked to her after this happened to me and she told me the things that helped her, but she had a very different family dynamic than I did. And so I had to kind of ask her shitty hard questions to get the help that I needed because I couldn't just go to my mom and be like, mom, hold me until it's better. You know what I mean? Right. I, I couldn't Wipe do my that. nose while I'm crying. Yeah. It doesn't work for everyone. <laughs> for some it does. Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, anything that helps you is awesome, but also be honest with yourself because there's a, there's a tendency when you're in something hard to try to cover it over like, oh yeah, it's all better today. Today I woke up and it's all sunshine and roses and I'm going to be just fine. Guess what? You mean glitter and rainbows? Right. Glitter and rainbows. Oh, <laughs> But then five hours later, you see something on TV or you hear a song on a commercial and it wrecks your world. That's okay. Don't get down on yourself because that happened. Like, don't think that you failed at coming out of it. It's just not time yet. But you did have that moment of feeling better, and that's an awesome blessing. You peaked above the surface. You did. Yeah, like, don't think of it. I mean, that's progress, right? Like, it is progress. Like, stepping back and creating space for the hard things is progress. But so. don't, don't try to cover it up when that shit happens, because it's going to keep happening for years, man. Like, there is a song I can't listen to, Still Still by The Fray. Can't listen to that because it just makes me just break. And Or if you're in the mood to break. You, you can listen. Just, like, and there are go. times like that when, you know, I feel something is wrong and I know it's that. And so you just have to slice out a piece of time for yourself and say, going to just go and cry and be real depressed but then after that happens, I'm going to be okay again. So yes, so things that were helpful, reaching out to people who you know have gone through something similar and making sure you ask them things that might make them uncomfortable. It's okay to make them uncomfortable. If they don't want, Gina was saying, and Nicole, if, if you don't want, if they don't want to talk about it in that moment. Yeah, don't talk about we'll it. We'll tell you. Like, yeah. We'll say, I don't, no, I'm not going to talk about that right now. But ask them, ask them if they could to sit with you sometime or just talk to you on the phone sometime when they feel like they can and they may not feel like they can because they may have covered it over you know they may not have time for that in their life for whatever reason but if they're a good friend and they're solid in themselves they'll do that for you like I would do that for anybody and just here's the thing people in that situation don't need you to talk to them so much as they just need you to listen yes 
That they don't is, need to hear what you have to say. That no. is the best advice for anybody who's going through something. You don't really need and someone to talk really to you. And that's really the only piece of advice that I have to people who want to support someone who's lost a child or who's gone through stillbirth or pregnancy loss, or anything like that, late loss. Don't think that you need to have any answers at all because you don't need to. You just need to honestly be a place where they can talk without feeling a, f- a few different things. Don't, if you don't feel strong enough to do it, don't do it because you're going to fuck it up. You're going to make them feel worse. You're going to be weak. <laughs> because what we don't want to do is be that social pariah that comes to people and is like, I need to bleed on you because I am just one giant blood blister of pain. Can you let me bleed on you for a while mm-hmm. because I'm dying? You know what I mean? Like people don't know how to deal with that. There's no, there's nothing in society that teaches you how to be that space for somebody. That's when you're like, I'm a super absorbent guys. I got you. Right. Be I my tampon. <laughs> <laughs> be a tampon in the world of bloody blisters. We, yes. we use menstrual cups. Yeah. Be Not like, me. I'll be your menstrual because cup. Because then you nope. can just take that and pour it out somewhere. You don't have to take can, it on. Yes, and you it'll can just feed the it. earth. Yes. So just you know don't don't feel like you have to have answers if you don't feel capable of doing it don't do it make a suggestion of someone else if you can so that they don't feel like you're passing them off but also if you can't be that support it 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 does more harm than good because then they feel like oh i have to keep this inside because the one person i trusted that i felt like i could do this with can't handle it i'm not handleable I'm too much. Those are not good things to feel because you After are you've gone through such a loss. Yes. Yes. You, you are too much. It is too much. The death of a child is too much. You can't put a, put a, a definition on that. You can't put a price on that. So those are the things that I would say if, if you wanted to help someone, please do those things, you know? So it's, I know I'm just, thank you for just, uh, I know that's hard to share. A and lot you, of it and is you hard, were worried but it wouldn't be any sort of a beautiful story, but it is like hearing how you've processed it. You, it's such, it's such a, a horrible story that you've managed to come out better and stronger from. Oh, dude, it's going to be six years, right? Six years. He would have been six years old on July 13th this year. So, yes, I w- let's go to break. Yes. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the things that you took from your loss coming into your pregnancy for your rainbow exactly. baby. Exactly. That's exactly where I was trying to go. That's right. Yeah. All right. So we will go to break and we'll be right back. Cue the music. Oh, yeah. So today's sponsor for our episode is Jesse Johnson, owner of Gift of Grace. She is a bereavement doula located in Stephen City, Virginia. She is able to support you and your family during the difficult time of loss. Whether you're experiencing miscarriage, stillbirth, or a fatal diagnosis, she is there to help you navigate through troubled waters. Her goal is to make you feel safe, comforted, and protected while making you aware of all of your options and knowing what to expect during the birth and grieving process. She provides in-person support, support at a distance, resources, continued coaching sessions, and bereavement healing circles to the community. You are not alone in your loss of journey. 
If you would like to look up Jesse Johnson's information, you can find it at www.mamagivinggrace.com. Back to the episode. Welcome back from that delightful break. So I wanted, I just want to talk about when I met Olivia because yep. that's a great way to go into Valen's birth. Mm-hmm. So, um, when you were coming in for your first visit, I had never met you. I had never read your chart. And so I just glanced at it really quickly, but I noticed there was this paragraph and that's not the huge. It's I a mean, long ass paragraph. It is for you because you know so much. So I, sh- <laughs> now that I know you, I'm like, oh, of course she wrote that paragraph. But it was the description of Oliver's birth. Yeah. And I just started crying, which I don't usually do, but I don't know. Just the way that you were describing everything, and I was super overwhelmed, and I was like... You cry a lot more than you give yourself credit for. Okay, well... Maybe. I almost cried on the way here today. <laughs> she just compares herself to me. So compared to me, it's Compared nothing. to Meredith, nobody cries. So when I walked back there, I was like, I'm so sorry. I just started crying because I read your story. And that's how, like, our first talk. And I thought you would be like, oh, that's silly, or... And instead of saying any of those things, you were just like, well, are you, do you feel comfortable taking care of me? And I was just like, what? Because I had, so like a lot of the research that I do is from, you know, reading like firsthand experiences, uh, but also, you know, like real medical journals too, not just that. But I like to get the firsthand experiences because it's it's reality for what those medical journals are saying. Right. And it was a it was a midwife forum, and I was like looking at that because I was like, oh god, my history is like blown all the way to shit. Like, is she gonna want to do this? Because so is... you were more worried about your providers and how they would feel. I really wanted to go to Premier for some reason. I felt guided to go there. And I just really wanted to be a client. And I was like, oh, I need you to tell me I can be a client, even though you're looking at this and looking at me. And and I'm really difficult (laughs) because I had never had a successful pregnancy. Right. So it was a legit fear or not fear, concern Mm -hmm. that you would not take me and I would have to go the medical route. Right. No, in my mind, I was like, this woman deserves the most amazing birth in the entire world. It was awesome. (laughs) So... Is there something about the way, because you talked how the midwife during your prenatal care with Oliver, how she put you off. Is there something different you can say about the way that Kim made you feel right off the bat? Yes. And that was after my very first meeting with Kim, I understood immediately why I had been guided to go to premiere Mm -hmm. and specifically to Kim. Because Kim has She's going to make me cry. You deserve to, to hear these good things about yourself. I'm going to use Valen's spit up talent. Oh, God. To wipe my eyes. Get that here. chunky breast milk on your eyes. Yes. <laughs> no, so I, I, I asked Kim hard things. And Kim's answer to all of those hard things. Like one of the things I asked her, I think, was the very first. What would you do with a shoulder dystocia? Then she told me about her time when she went down to... Uh, where'd you go then oh haiti haiti my mom We're, we actually just recorded and told that story so yes yeah well i won't tell the story or anything but i'll say it was like hell on earth for a midwife down there right and for those women too i mean not just for the midwives and i was like oh my god this woman is the one she can get me through anything no matter what shitty thing happens she can handle it like she can 
do it. And you're talking about <laughs> shoulder dystocias and you're like, I just feel down there like I'm blind and I just do a little and it's and all resolved. And I'm like, my God. <laughs> when I was in school, one of our teachers was like, or one of the professors was like, bravado is everything. Like you, but the thing is, I feel, I am You got bravado up the ass. <laughs> Don't. No, <laughs> I don't want that at all. Out the ass. But the, the thing was, it was like we were talking and the questions you were you were asking me, I felt like what were the answers that other people were giving you? You know, like why not? Not that everyone would be comfortable with your situation and, and why I was, I don't know. But I just kept thinking, like, what were they saying to you? I don't understand why they weren't saying the same things. I guess I was confused because I'd answer you like, oh, I'd resolve it. Here's how I would do it. And then you were like, oh, okay. Believe it or not, Kim, not every midwife is as confident or has (laughs) as many skills as you. (laughs) Well, I like this episode, right? Really a lot right now. To to answer the rest of your question, Jess, the other midwife was just like, I'm sure she's a great midwife, but not for the person that I was back then, not in the situation that I was in. And she did not answer questions that I asked the way that Kim would answer those questions. Like if I had said to Kim, I don't want this, what would you, would you be comfortable with this? Is there something we could do instead? Kim would walk me through the options and alternates. This woman would have just been like, well, I'm not comfortable with that. I think that's where it comes down to even when we're talking about loss, when you're talking about birth, that there really is a a midwife for every personality right. type and no one midwife can meet that need for no. every single person. And there are many women out there that, that met with me and were like, no, like hard pass, but possible. But with you, I just, <laughs> exactly. or soft pass or soft pass. It's any kind of pass you want. Soft they pass. would just get up and leave. Like, <laughs> My God, I mean, I've had women say you're not coming to my birth. Oh, like it's not, it's not, it's not you. It, it, well, what did she say? It's not you. It's just you. And I was like, I get that. I'm a lot. So it ha- it does happen, and that's fine. Like, but I knew when you when I read your story and when we talked that day, I just felt like you were so grounded. You had done so much self processing. You were really taking time to like educate yourself, learn what went wrong. What can I do this time? And I knew that I was going to be like, I don't care what it takes. We're going to work together. And PS Jen, you're not coming to this birth. Cause it's mine. Poor Jen. And she was like, uh, okay. But yeah, but not, you know, any, anyway. Yes. So you, I have why? to ask, did she like actually lift up her leg and piss on you at any point in time? <laughs> it, <laughs> If she had, it wouldn't have put me off at all. <laughs> she would have been all about it. Would she like, would have accepted this it. This is part of what we need to do. That's fine. Awesome. So you met Kim. It felt right. You're going through your prenatal care. Yes, yes. Uh, so let's talk more about your experience and how it unfolded. Because, Kim, you had talked about how it's like when you have rainbow babies. Because this is your this is like your rainbow baby. You've oh, never yeah. had a baby that's... You want me to talk about that? Yeah, yes. you've never had a baby that yes. lived. Yes. And so this is your rainbow baby. And, yes. and there's a lot of feelings I've heard that go into that and fears and insecurities can you speak a little bit about that in the rainbow baby pregnancy, the fears you have that would be different from a pregnancy where someone has never had loss? Yes. So with Valen, I feel like I did not connect to him uh, while I was pregnant almost at all. 
like with, with Oliver, I feel like I had all this promise and hope and I would talk to him all the time and I'd be just so joyous that I was actually, you know, pregnant and we were doing this, you know, but with Valen, I was so, everything was very reserved. You know, I did not necessarily feel like I connected with him at all. Um, and then I had, so in my work, I work with a lot of doctors and a lot of health practitioners and they are in many different realms. I have a friend who's down in Stanton who is um, a practitioner down there and he does energy work. And he, he, I was seven months pregnant and he said, you know, how are you doing? And I told him and I, I told him about my loss and he's like, why don't you lay down on the table? Man, let me look at something. And so he's checking out my that energetic doesn't sound body. hot at all. No. <laughs> okay. It's not supposed to be, I promise. It's it's all platonic. It is. Jess can make anything hot. <laughs> like a coconut somehow, some way. Dolphin. <laughs> Shush. Okay, go on. I'm sorry. No, it's it's part of this. <laughs> it's it's part of the experience. It, it is. is like I know what I said. This up is for. the wine about birth experience. <laughs> okay, she's our new voice person. <laughs> she's our new voice person. <laughs> um, so he's checking my energetic body and Valens, and he's like, mm, "There is a disconnect here, and I'm worried about it." So he does some work on me, and after that, I felt I I genuinely felt like I could connect and that it was important for me to do that he's like if you don't love this baby it's not gonna work something's gonna and i'm like oh god okay oh my god like, not, not saying that directly that's a lot of pressure no not saying that directly but i'm sure that yeah, he didn't really say i'm it sure like that, that probably triggered you from what you said from your last pregnancy where you're like i don't know how i can do this i don't know how i can take care of you yeah, it was it was a lot like that. I was like, oh, God, I'm fucking this up, you know, every single way I try to do it. But he didn't mean it like that. He's just like, you need to look at this seriously. You know, you need to seriously, you've got to love this baby. It's your baby, you know, and, you know, and, and then it was implied that, you know, it was very important. You know, and so I took it on to be more like, oh, God, and I'm going to love this baby. And maybe he meant more for you than for the baby, right? Like, maybe he meant, like, your like your emotional well-being. Like, he knew that it was going to be a part of your healing journey as well. Like, so yeah. maybe, like, with, like she said, with your history, like, you internalized that, like, as, like, you were putting your baby at risk. But maybe he meant, like, you were at risk because, like, you were passing up an opportunity to, like, heal in your journey. Very much. Very much. And so, I mean, at that point is when I started to really believe I had to do that I had to find a, a way to connect to this baby it was just harder it was really different and, and very hard to connect to Valen in in utero <laughs> so it's like you're so excited for the prospect of oh, having but a baby man, Jess, when I but found it's... out I was pregnant with Valen I had that pregnancy test I had no idea I it was I got pregnant in May and I didn't know till July that I was wow. pregnant oh my god and I'm like oh, I'm just missing a period it's just normal and I'm like <laughs> Oh, you, are, you know more than that. And then all of a sudden, my tits hurt real bad. <laughs> my tits hurt real bad. Real bad. I was but like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Nicole, and I, I, Nicole had said the same thing. She could. She just wasn't willing to connect. Yeah, yeah. It's You're hard. so reserved. Yeah. It's It just feels like if I do this, I'm going to get hurt again, or I'm going to hurt the baby or something. It's just weird shit goes through your head. There's just very, and, and you see these women and they're so excited and pregnant 
and I'm like, I wish I could get there, and you're making me mad. Yeah. Where are where are these rainbows coming from for you? <laughs> Out of their tight pink little assholes. Yeah. She's the bubble popper. She's like, oh, that's so boop. <laughs> gone. Gone is that bubble. So you got through your prenatal care. Yes. And you... Yeah, let's talk about leading up your so your baby you, you now have a viable pregnancy. Yes. You're getting to the point where it's like it's time for you to go into labor. So let's talk about your experience now cuz I know a lot of people plan their rainbow baby births to be like like you said, glitter and rainbows and everything beautiful. Yes, and yes. And listen, all this cra- now and you were I'm going to be insulting to some people. Please forgive me. This it, is just my opinion. You do that all the time. But all this fucking bullshit about like, you know, ah, the gender reveal and all this stuff. <laughs> I was like, we're not doing any of that. You are allowed to give your opinion. And this yeah, is our podcast. My opinion was that was not for me. That's all. Yeah. And none of it was for me. And I <laughs> thought that it was Perfect. just not for me. so um and i think that bothered a lot of my family members because they wanted me to have that you know here is this baby that's gonna live you know and you have the opportunity to do all these fun things and i'm like you guys don't get it i just want a live baby yeah i don't want anything else i just want a live baby So so you you were you were so realistic the entire time we had care. I would say to you, how do you feel about, oh well, let's talk about a water birth. Let's talk. And you would say, that sounds lovely. However, that's not my main goal. Like my main goal is just, <laughs> you know, whatever. I just want it. I just want him to be healthy. It's nothing has to go how I plan it. And yes. I'm like, no, Olivia, we're going to write all these things yes. down and <laughs> we're going to hold hands and we're going to live through this together. And she did too. We like went over the birth Kumbaya. plan three visits in a row because she couldn't get specifics out of me. And do you remember the most important thing to me on my birth plan, Kim? Not anymore, Olivia. The, the, was that if we transferred here in the time of COVID, if we transferred who was going to be with me kim it was me yeah i was going (laughs) but so yes we kept going over the birth plan because in my mind it was happening it was happening you were birthing at home i was going to be there probably katie possibly whitney and it was going to be amazing i wanted it for you so bad you wanted that for me more than i I just wanted the baby you just wanted the baby and i did want to avoid as much medical intervention as i could because ladies i had a horrible experience before yeah and we don't want that wanted to be away from that right however when you want me to go there right yeah Yeah. let's talk about your actual birth experience (sighs) let's talk about your rainbow babies this is my rainbow baby birth (laughs) birth so i was the sunday before no sunday was when he turned 36 weeks now it was Friday, I think. I went to the I went to you guys on Friday. My blood pressure was high. I wasn't yeah, that it was Jen. I wasn't there, it was Jen, yeah. Yes, which, you know, thank God for Jen. Here she is. She's trying like mad too to get it down. She's like, right. Go upstairs and lay down. Yeah, she'll do all the things. Let's have some juice. Yeah. yeah, do these things. <laughs> Listen to this music. <laughs> and, and and she came up it was still really way too high, like transfer high. I mean I, I, even lying down it was high and I'm like fuck I don't know what to do so I'm just waiting I'm just bed rest and waiting 
Sunday evening, Jen gets in touch with me again. She texts me and she's like, what have your numbers been? And I told her and she's like, oh, God, you know, and that's not what she said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That was the tone. She's like, I think I need to call you. <laughs> yes, I'm calling you right now. Yes. Yeah, so she, can you even talk she, at this point? Yes. She calls me and then poor Kim is out there at her little mini family vacation. <laughs> of course. And so... um. She's like, you have to go and they have to check you because this isn't okay. So I um, didn't know where to go. And then you told her to tell me Fair Oaks. Yeah. Which I hope I can talk about where I went. They're amazing. Yeah, they're amazing. Everything from here on out is positive. Just, you know. So, yes, we're moving in a positive now. Yes. Positive path to Valen. Yes. So Fair Oaks and I get there and she's like, you have to ask for Tracy. That's the midwife. She'll be expecting you. I was like, okay. So I get there, ask for Tracy, who is part of a group I wasn't aware of, but I, it wasn't important. They figured me out. They, they're they smart cookies out there. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Smart as a whip. <laughs> so <laughs> We get out there and um, they check me. Blood pressure still high. They listen to him. He was okay. And so they were like, we'd really prefer you to go to 37 weeks because you're at 36 today and it would just be better for him and but Tuesday so we're going to take you into our group and we're going to work with you but we need you to go get him looked at with ultrasound so they sent me to their yeah because you had one scheduled scheduled, but that was the following Friday so that would have been a 36 week ultrasound right um almost 37 it would have been 36 and 5 but um we we go it was the Tuesday so Monday was complete bed rest with this high blood pressure. And I said, why can't you give me something to bring the blood pressure down there? Like, because it could mask preeclampsia and we don't want to do that. So I, it never turned into preeclampsia. I never went, never went Thank eclamptic goodness. at yeah. all in any way. So, so I go and when I'm there at the ultrasound place, they keep moving me room to room and I'm strapped up to all these. I'm like, what is going on? They're not getting what they need. And to me, it's like, ah, he's just moving away because he always moves away from the Doppler. It visits, he hates it. Moves away from those, always moving away from the ultrasound and his anatomy scan and everything else. And so she's like, well, I, I think we're going to get the doctor in here to talk to you. And he tells me that Valen's heart rate is not reacting so like it's solid strong and solid but it would not go up right it doesn't go up with yeah go up up and sustain yes and and sustain yeah he didn't do that and they were like it could mean distress or it could mean that his lungs are immature or something like that and they were like oh we're gonna send you to the hospital they'll give you a shot blah 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 i'm like okay whatever so you were like let me just check that box of things i didn't want right but you did it right Mm -hmm. and i go there and the main doc talks to me when I'm there in the hospital. So she talked to you. To me, yeah. Yes. Yeah, Dr. Hashimi. She's like, well, we're not going to do that because this is, you're already, you know, 36 and 2 or whatever. So we're going to go ahead and start induction because there's risks to that shot. And it may not do anything. She didn't want to do the shot. She didn't want to do the shot. She wanted to do the induction. Let's just go ahead and induce. So I I was like admitted for induction, which is they do the Cervidil internally. Mm -hmm. And, um, but man, they did all these things. So Cervidil did did something, of course, but 
it's not like it made everything go bam 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 right then they they start the foley cast at all yeah i got a balloon catheter they literally tried they did everything yeah so i i did cervidil then i did pitocin then i did high pitocin then i did cytotec then i did more pitocin then I did high t- high rate high pitocin again. Then they shut the pitocin off, and they gave me tums to reset my oxytocin receptors. Then they did serve cytotec again, and then they did more pitocin. And then they did somewhere in there they did a balloon catheter to try to expand my cervix. Once they did that, they broke my waters, and then because you got to like five, right? No, or four. What oh, were no. you? I don't know. I don't even think I got there. Three, oh. three. I think okay. maybe, but okay. it it just it wasn't sustain. It wasn't staying. Right. Yeah. Maybe three. Maybe three. Okay. Um. But that was after every everything that they could pull yeah, they out were of their hat. Because I kept checking my phone. I'd wait for everyone to like. They were all looking over here, and I'd run over and be like, and you would tell me what was going on, and, and I'm like, okay. amazing, Tracy. She stayed she, so long, and Dr. Amazing. Merriman, who is her doc, like they work together. She stayed so long, and, amazing. Oh, but listen, they were so hands off. Like you look at this and you think, oh God, all these interventions, but no. it's not like that there. What it's like there is they're trying to work with you to make this happen. To to. give you a birth that is as close as they can because they work with the midwives there it's not like the doctors are driving the train of course they they are working together right but the midwives are not this you know side piece you know like this extra thing maybe we'll talk to them maybe if i feel like you know a booty call i'll get them it's not like that (laughs) uh for the record i don't do booty calls (laughs) I'm just throwing that out there. But I'm just saying that's like, I feel like that's the level of respect that a midwife is given. Well, and the whole time. In other hospital settings. Yes, and I was panicking. Um, I was panicking as this was happening, but you just kept saying, no, it's, I, I'm totally fine. It, like, I was. They're so I respectful. Felt, yes. I feel like I'm helping make these decisions. It's about me. It's about Valen. And, and we're all on board with is he safe? Yeah. And, you know, and how do I feel about it? And I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, that's awesome. Because the, like I said, the, in that group specifically, the midwives are on, on the same, like it's the same. Uh, between the OBs and the midwives, they're working together. And they all respect each other. Yeah. And it's, it's not, and Tracy, of course, is amazing. So it's like you're here under Tracy's care, but you're also under the other OBs and Dr. Hashimi and Dr. Merriman and Dr. Lada, who is actually the woman that delivered Valen. Oh man, let me tell you. So all three of these docs are amazing. Like experience this. I need to meet them. They knew your history too. And like, they did. And I, oh my God, listen, Meredith, I heard my history repeated in medical terms, like 70 times. I could probably recite it to you. You can. Yeah. You wrote a paragraph about exactly. it. Exactly. So they every time there was a nurse handoff, everybody got updated. Like this is what's this is who she is. This is what's going on with her. This is what we're working on right now. You know, this is where we're heading. Hopefully, we're going to try to have a baby today. That's you know, we're going to have a we baby. We would like today. to have a baby. Yes. So I'm there. They break my waters. There's only a certain amount of time after you break your waters that you can. You know, it's part of protocol and. And it's not safe after 18 hours. <laughs> he still hadn't come. Well, he wasn't coming anyway. No. Which we know now. Oh, God. However. Yes. <laughs> so Dr. Lotta comes in and she's like, um, 
it's been a certain amount of uh, this amount of time and it, at this point i know this is not what you want but at this point you know we need uh, the next step is a c-section because that's what's safe you know it's not safe to keep doing this and i was like well can you you know try to push the pitocin because i had i had i guess it's prescription like a script for up to 30 because i was non-responsive like i would go and you know i told yeah. you i had some contractions and they go nowhere she knows the units of yeah. pitocin she was it i'm was telling prescribed. you i'm telling you well they only ever went up to 24 26 and then they Holy moly, they though. pulled me off of that. That's insane. Doctor Lot is like, if we take you up to thirty, there's a possibility of uterine rupture and all this stuff. And I'm for some women, there's a risk at twenty. Yes, yeah. they don't. And really some there's not. They, it, it doesn't. Like no twenty six is wildly outside That's of what ridiculous. they prescribe. Yes, wildly above what they prescribe. And my body was just like, nope, this baby is not ready to come out. Going to keep him right here. He to has grow not up. baked long enough. <laughs> Please. <And> <laughs> Could you imagine? No. <laughs> oh, Lord. So anyway, she comes and I'm like, oh, God, uh, can I have a minute? And I had to call Kim because I'm freaking out. It's one thing I didn't want. It's the only thing. I'm so glad. I'm so grateful, like, for Kim, you guys. I really am. And for all of you, you know, I know Kim was like, I'm going to try to get Jess and Meredith. And I'm like, oh, I don't yeah, think I you're going to get Jess and Meredith. But <laughs> thanks, well, but you no wanted thanks. to know, like, you were trying, you were hashing out in your brain. Do you do the other hour? Yeah. Or do you just do the C-section? Well, she was going to let me. She was yes. going to let me go up to 30 yes. for an hour and then yes. pull me off of it. And I was right. like, oh, God, I need to talk to Kim. And Kim's like, Kim was so real in that moment. And that's what I needed. Only that moment. Yeah, though. but I needed that. I needed it because I was wigging out. I'm like, Kim, you know, this is the only thing I don't it's want. It's the only time you sounded upset. Yeah. Like upset, upset. Because I was worried about healing from a C-section. Like, I'm not, I don't have a perfect body, you all. I know you can't tell by this voice. <laughs> Because yes, you do. You are hot. You need I to don't embrace know. You it. Are stunning. Mm. Yes. <laughs> embrace it. This Love postpartum it. body of mine. <laughs> Yo, mama. So you, so you were faced with that almost yes. like that final. That was choice. yeah, because there is nothing after that. Right. <laughs> you, know? you can have a C-section, or there's no or. No. And yeah. so I, they, we get off the phone with you. And I decided I was going to do it. And so my husband goes and calls the doctor back in. And I said to her, I said, can we have 20 minutes, you know, or as much time as you can give me to just kind of process this? Or is there an urgency when she's like, well, I would really like to get this started now. And so I said, okay, but will I have a few minutes? And she's like, also because it takes forever to get going on a C-section sometimes anyways. So she probably knew that you'd have some time. And she did. And she was like, you're going to have 15, 20 minutes. And we didn't have that much time, but they move fast. Yeah, they did because they, you know, you don't know what's going on. Exactly. And God forbid that 15 minutes after all this time. And you know, that's where they're, that's what they're thinking yes. because they are trying to take care of you. Yes. And at that moment they knew. And sometimes we just know, like th- we need to call it now. Yeah. So if, if someone that's treated you that well says, I really feel like we need to call it, then you know, they're doing it for the right reasons. And she really had. So when Dr. Lotta was on call, she was almost, I mean, she was very kind, but she was almost like, no, I mean, it was like she'd come in and check on me, but then she'd just be like, okay, we're good. It was so hands off. That's the thing. It's yeah. like, you know, you, you are willing to work with whatever because they're not in there pushing you. Right. They're not in right. there in your face like all the time. To- it's just not like that there. 
at least with that group it's just not like that which is amazing and and so she's you know she's everything's getting prepped and i i asked her so here's the thing that i know is important for me to tell the things that i advocated for myself for were that i wanted to have skin to skin and i asked i said is there any way he can be and they were like yeah absolutely and then I said, well, is there any way that we can um, do, what else was it? Oh, delayed delayed cord clamping. I, and they were like, yes. And the other thing I asked for was, could I have a vaginal swab, right? So that we could do the seating. Did they just look at you like, what? No, no. I was going to try to do it myself. And the OB, n- not OB, OR, OR nurse, the operating room nurse, comes in and she's looking at me and she's like what are you doing (laughs) like that too she's like are you trying to take like a swab i can do that for you she's like watching you she's like i've done that i've done that before she's like i don't know what you're talking your own swab then no i asked for gauze like our our room nurse i asked her for gauze and a collection cup she's just casually shoving gauze into her yeah i was like and dwight is like trying to clean me with the betadine wipes and stuff and i'm like i just hold on a minute I'm swabbing my labia. Don't stare <laughs> at me yet. <laughs> and so I, I'm, I'm talking to her. She's like, yeah, I can do that. And I said, well, is there any way that you can delay antibiotics? Because I know you have to do IV antibiotics. She's like, yeah, no problem. I'll do it. And then we'll do her, turn them on. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're badass. That's so awesome. Yes. The only thing they weren't allowed to do was actually take that swab and apply it. So yeah, they could not that, administer right? it. Dwight did it. Dwight I was it. useless. You were like, ah. <laughs> Let me tell you, man. Oh, God. That was a, uh, I worked my ass off to survive that. Yes. <laughs> I yes. felt like I couldn't breathe. And that was scary as shit. And nobody mm-hmm. tells you you're going to feel that way. Yeah. But man, everybody was so good to me in the OR. Dr. Lotta, she's this tiny little beautiful lady and she's standing there in front of me and I'm like, Dr. Lotta, I'm going to pass out. I'm not good with needles because he's having a hard time finding (laughs) where he needs to go. Yeah. And uh, and she's like, it's okay. Just breathe. Just breathe. And I'm like, no, I'm going to pass out. She's like, okay, we need to lay her down. And (laughs) they did. And then I, I, they tried again to find it. They had to sit me back up. I was going to pass out again. So it was terrible. That is not fun. No, but everybody was so good to me. Like in the OR, she was so good to me. And then the anesthesiologist is this older Asian man that, and he's standing beside me and he's going, it's okay. And patting my face, <laughs> patting, yeah. patting my face. Like I'm his oh child and he's going to work me through this. It's okay. That's so it was sweet. so, it was amazing. <laughs> C-section is like this. It's uh-huh. like a Reiki section to get <laughs> and, a baby out. <laughs> I think it just goes to show that it's not about exactly how your birth goes it's about how the people treated you that were around you and it can either traumatize you or it can make you feel like well you did everything for a reason it's exactly right that is exactly how i felt and as soon like not to go over like whatever they gloss over everything else that led up to it but when they pulled him out dr lotta says over the there's a curtain and she says on the other side of the curtain olivia how far along are you i said 36 weeks and she and everybody goes oh and you hear all this oh oh, uh, 
on the and other side. And you're like, what's wrong? And then this one of the OR nurses goes, he looks more like he's 42 weeks. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then I'm huge. like, what? And so I, I'm way out of it because that stuff just, whoa, you're yeah. just in another world. And they pull, like, Dwight's sitting beside me and he's being cleaned off and they're holding him up at first before they clean him off. And they're like, look, daddy, or whatever they say. And he's like, look, baby, look, look. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, no. <laughs> that's my baby? <laughs> that's no, that's not my baby. Oh, God, he was huge. He was 10 pounds, 11 ounces that's, as a 36-week preemie. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. huge. When you huge. sent that and the, and the picture, I was like, oh, yeah. what? <laughs> and I texted you guys. Yeah. I was like, you guys, look at this. This is crazy. Like, he wasn't coming out. No. He wasn't coming out. No. And it all made sense. Yeah. It Well, to me, when I saw that, <laughs> yes. I was like, oh. And me too. When I saw my son. And how enormous he was, it all lined up for me. I was like, this is exactly what had to happen. And at that moment, even though I'm lying there on the table, one of my arms is numb. I can't breathe. I can't feel my body. I'm completely loopy. It all clicked. And I was like, oh, this is exactly what was supposed to happen. Yep. And you had your rainbow baby. I had my rainbow baby. And can there you he was. Can you explain? Can you explain a little bit the emotions that come when you finally Ooh. get your hands like on when that. They when you finally him. get your hands on that rainbow baby yeah. that you've been waiting for for so long. When they yes. placed him on you, like what? It was just, it was unreal. I felt kind of floaty. You know what I mean? Like you're not really connected to what's going on t- with you. And then crying, you know, just a lot of like, oh my God, this is actually, it's he's actually here. But for me, that was very short lived because Dalen had to go to the NICU. That was awful. That was harder than uh, almost you anything. had him and then... Then he's gone yeah. again. And he, you know, the only... I had to be... I had to have a mag sulfate drip, which is a 24-hour drip, um, and you can't get out of bed. And it makes you feel awful. Yes. And so I'm 24 hours without even being able to go see him or touch him or anything. Oh, that's so hard. It's like a... And like knowing, yeah, like, but here's this thing you've been waiting for, but over also, here. yeah, but also knowing that he's in trouble, like, and I can't go be with him and my baby's in trouble and they don't know what's wrong with him yet, except X, Y, and Z, which was his temperature wouldn't stabilize, his oxygen wouldn't stabilize, like his breathing and his blood sugar wouldn't stabilize, but he's, he's chunky, right? He's a big guy. They're not used to that in the NICU. No. And so they were going to try to do an IV. Oh God. And he loved just, it didn't work. Didn't work real well. Cause he's hard to find a vein on those chunky arms. He's so big. Yeah. And then they were able to do an umbilical line. And that was like, oh, thank God. Because from then on, everything was just kind of like, okay, we're going to do this. It's going to, but still eight days, eight days in the NICU. So hard. It was horrible. However, once I got to hold that baby, I started to shake. So once we got to do skin to skin, it was several days. I couldn't hold him for days and days and days. And then they were like, okay, you can hold him now. And my body just like shook. Just like I, I couldn't control it. And I, I sat there and I was like, this is everything that I was born for. This is right here. my reason for living. 
And I just felt that like he was part of me, you know, there was this amazing, not like a joy. And it wasn't joyous. It wasn't like, Oh God, look at this amazing. Cause we had to fight tooth and nail, both of us, him and me to get him here. Sweating and you stink and you're farting and he's crying and it's not joyous. (laughs) It's not joyous, but it's beautiful. Yes. And there, there was a sense of completion. Like we did it, you know, and here you are and it's only going to get better from here. And we're going to stay here until you're stable and we don't have to do this anymore. And, and he's been fine. I mean, normal baby stuff, but yeah. And, and just the love that I feel for that child, it, it's, it, it comes on in waves, right? So it's like, I've waited so long for you and here you are and you're going to get everything the best of me all the time. And of course you can't do that realistically, but these right. are the it's hopes still that hard. You have. he's still a baby. Yeah. Even but, though he's a rainbow baby, uh, he's still going to keep you up at night. Yeah. But in those hard times, like, you know, I had trouble starting breastfeeding. Latching. Yeah. And, and he just struggled with that for a while, but in those moments. So here's the difference between that and like other things. So clearly I don't have a living child to compare that to. Right. I can't be like, Oh, I know it's going to get better because I've been through this before. Right. But what I can say is no matter what, it's worth it because he's alive. Yeah. He's special. So I want to say, cause it is time to wrap up this episode. I'm sure it's been time for a while. <laughs> You can't just you can't, but you can't shorten it. No, I've been can't. very it, yes. Valen's over it. Yeah. What would you? <laughs> what would you want to say? Are the overwhelming things that you would like to have people take away about the experience of having a rainbow baby? Having a rainbow baby is like being given a second chance at life. So having a death is like you, dying. You have to find a new way to live. But having a rainbow baby, it's almost like it's it's closure, right? It's it's a it's a new way of of experiencing life that you never ever thought you would have. You never thought you'd get to do this, and here he is, screaming in Meredith's arms, screaming in all his glory. But but also, you know, the thing that is is also amazing about that is like. You know that feeling when you lose something that you really love? Like, not your car keys, but like, somehow you've misplaced something. And there's this feeling, this niggling feeling inside you. Like, if you you. could just find it again? Yeah. That feeling is wiped away when you have a baby after you've lost babies. And, And I... I haven't had like a li- like some people go through a, a, a rainbow like my sister Claire. She had um, a miscarriage after her first child before she had Armand. Mm-hmm. So she had Sebastian, then she had a miscarriage, then she had Armand. I didn't have that baby to fall back on. I didn't have that living child to hold and be like, well, at least I have you. You know what I mean? Not that there's ever really, and at least I right. have you, because you've yeah. still lost. You've still lost a child. Mm-hmm. But having Valen is like, it's like finding the thing that you thought that you'd lost, and I think that that thing is a piece of you, 
I think it's a it piece is. of you. That's well, amazing. it is. It's beautiful. All right, let's wrap it up so this kid can get a like dick. A dick. <laughs> like a dick. Or not and have more babies. It's whatever. So this is the end of our lost series of lost. And I just want to end out this episode by, again, bringing attention to every mom out there that's lost a baby, no matter how early in your pregnancy, how late in your pregnancy, after birth. Every baby out there that's been lost, like, you all matter. Yes. And you're not alone. Your experience matters, and there are people who will be there for you. It takes, sometimes it's hard to find your village, but when you find your village, it makes all the difference. And, um, yeah, be that, be that for the people out there. And, and the only other thing we have to say is cheer. Cheers. Gosh, that baby.